this morning, we're going to continue our work through the Psalms of Ascent. We are almost to the city at this point. Um, so we're going to read together through uh, Psalm 131. Um, I can't recall. You'll have to read carefully. I don't remember whether I put men and women in there or not, but I don't think I did. I think it's just reader and congregation. But if I'm wrong, pay attention, okay? It'll make for a carefuler read anyway. All right, let's read together. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. I do not occupy myself, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. From this time forth, it's a shorter one. It's a good prayer. I'd like to start this morning with uh, something I, I don't normally do, and I hope that this is incredibly awkward for all of us. So how was that? Huh? Awkward. <laughs> I saw some of you smirking at me. Uh, for some of you, I think it might have been a little weirder than others. That's a minute and a half. How long did it feel? Five? Yeah. You should have been standing up here. <laughs> Watching you all react. It feels like ten. Just a minute and a half of silence. It's hard to do. Rob Bell has a has a, he has a collection of videos called Numa. He talks about how uh, in order to get true silence in nature, uh, there's a guy who goes out to record silence, and how hard it was. It used to take about ten minutes uh, to get a or an hour to get a, a minute and now of silence to record true silence. You know, unless you go into a place that's a soundproof booth and you put a microphone in there. If you're out anywhere in the world around us and you try to record silence to get a minute, it used to take like an hour. And that takes over 10 hours. 
to get just one minute of nothing recorded on the tape. But then, if you step into our lives, it takes a lot longer than that, doesn't it? These little things, man. Anybody else use these things? To fill up the quiet? I will play a podcast or an audiobook or a news station you know, while I'm doing things like cooking or cleaning or yard maintenance. Things that before this kind of thing was invented, and I suppose before the Walkman came out, uh, you couldn't do a thing like that. You had to deal with the silence, but we don't have to deal with silence anymore. It is so easy to fill up every quiet moment and have none of them. It's not just auditory noise either. We're filled all around us with visual noise. You know, even in play, it's, it's why the Blue Ridge Parkway is so appealing. You go up and drive in the Blue Ridge Parkway and you see beauty all around you. You know what you don't see? Billboards. But we drive around everywhere. There are signs, there are billboards vying for our attention, calling us away from the calmness of our souls. Advertising is literally everywhere. You know, there are companies now that will wrap your car in a special kind of paint job to put a company's logo on it. Now, this is only true if you drive in a place where it's congested enough that enough people will see it. So I don't know that if you can get one. They're called skins. And I don't know if you can get one of those in Hendersonville or not. Maybe in Asheville. Certainly in New York City. You can walk around. You can see these, these driving billboards. And it's just a person driving their car you know, and that, that company is paying to put gas in that car to keep it moving around. Because that's how... You ever go online, you're looking for something in particular, and all of a sudden, pop-ups start happening? Who thinks a pop-up ad is an effective kind of advertising? I tell you what, if a company has a pop-up ad, I'm like, yep, done with them. You know, I don't care if it's the only place to buy food. I'm eating dirt if they use pop-up advertising. You know, but we are so often bombarded so quickly with so much that finding the ability to slow down is so hard in this culture. So that when it happens, we don't know what to do with it. There's a power failure. I have uh, a friend who has a teenager who started driving their teenage kid to school. And they got about a third of the way there. And their kid went, Oh no! I don't have my phone! And they're like, Oh, that's a bummer. And the kid melted down. I mean, absolutely went into a complete panic attack. Why? Because they would be unconnected. And how do I go through eight hours today without continuous connection? We don't know how to do that. We're seeing an entire generation that does not know how to handle the quiet. Why is quiet so awkward? When we went through that, you went through that minute and a half a minute ago. How many of you felt kind of like laughing a little bit? Yeah. It 
just felt weird, right? Now, part of that's because you came here with expectations, and that wasn't it. You were supposed to be hearing a sermon, and it's not supposed to be a quiet moment. And maybe you're really good at striking contemplative postures, but you don't do it here. Okay, I'll grant you that. But still, I mean, it's such a rare thing for us to step into silence purposefully. Because when you enter silence, there's something that you absolutely cannot avoid. If you go into a quiet place, you will not be able to avoid you. You can't get away from yourself. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to escape. Except maybe into noise. Which is why we do it so much. Because if I can have my mind focused on something else, and it's, oh, it's so easy to focus my anxiety in some other place. You know, you choose your major 24-hour news channel. They have a narrative. Their narrative is intended to cast anxiety into you so that you will keep coming back to watch their shows. They want you freaked out and upset. And so they tell you the stories of the atrocity and how worried you ought to be about it. And they keep you nervous. And choose the narrative that most aligns with your political party. You can find it. They will keep you upset. And then if you can be upset about that, you don't have to be upset about you. Choose your songs. What rock group do you like? What kind of music do you keep? We have access to music in this generation that previous generations have no idea how to do. And so we have an entire generation that's raising up that cannot live without sound in the background. We have so many entertainment options. When we were growing up, Ashley was just talking about this with our kids. When we were growing up, if something came up and you weren't done with your show, you did not get to find out the villain that Scooby-Doo was chasing. You didn't get to hear them say, oh, if it weren't for those darn kids. And so, and you never did. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't saved. You couldn't pause it. It just moved on without you. And that seemed like a normal thing. Our kids, they can pause everything. Come back to it later. Which they don't want to do. Because we don't want to step away from all of this sound. Because it keeps us from dealing with a far worse sound. Last week we dealt with the reality that we are sinners. And that's honestly what we don't want to hear. Inside of every human being, at least every human being I've known, there's an interior monologue going on. Have you heard it? A voice that talks to you constantly. As long as you're listening to something else, as long as you can be anxious about something else, you don't have to be anxious about that voice. You don't have to deal with it at all. By the way, here, I'm not talking about like invisible bunny kind of voice. I'm talking about your own. The voice that, that inside of you says, I'm good enough, aren't I? Sometimes it says that anyway, but all too often what it says is, they're looking at you, they see, hide, you're bad. Why did you say that? Why did you say that thing? Don't you know how stupid that thing was? They're all thinking about how stupid you are now. Or, why did you say that thing? Don't you know how destructive that was? 
You have just crippled your child. They need to talk to Oprah now because of you. You worthless, horrible, terrible, useless thing. No one can love you. No one can. Sound familiar at all? Maybe I'm the only one with a neurosis in the room. Huh? I don't think so. That interior monologue is so hard to face. Perhaps it is why it is until now on the journey that we have waited to address it. Because we are making this journey into God's heart. For the longest time now, we've been, this year in fact, we've been on this journey to Jerusalem with the Psalms of Ascent. It's what they're for. They're to prepare you to enter into God's presence. Now starting here and from here out, there's really no more trouble in the Psalms. This Psalm, in fact, isn't an invitation to trouble. It's an invitation to what God really wants to do. But to do what this Psalm says to do, we have to deal with this trouble I've been talking about. Our absence from silence and our unwillingness to quiet the interior person and to get still. To get quiet within. Folks, there are all kinds of fruit to a heart willing to do that in the presence of God. Now, part of the reason that we in Churches of Christ don't really advocate for this a whole lot is that it isn't reasonable. Okay? It's hyper-reasonable. It isn't unreasonable, but it is beyond reason. It is not just logical. In fact, being still is a step away from our reason. To be quiet is to try to quiet reason and stop depending on it. Because we we need to remember, every part of us is marred by the fall. It's not just your moral center that is broken when you enter into sin. It is also your logic, your reason, your mind. It is just as clouded by that junk And you can't use it to save yourself. Your salvation is in God and in God alone. And if you look through Scripture, it's amazing how many times you encounter people being still to encounter God. Do you remember Elijah in the cave? Do you remember the psalm that says, Be still and know that I am God? Do you remember Jesus walking into the dark of night and spending all night in prayer? Do you honestly think He talked the entire time? Jesus wasn't afraid to be quiet in prayer. And when we spend time being quiet, there's there's a natural fruit that comes from quiet inside the presence of God. In fact, God has built us in such a way that a certain amount of this fruit shows up just from silence itself. Even with bad doctrine, bad thinking, quietness of the soul produces peace. And peace produces maturity. An ability to deal with bad treatment that is more effective and more intentional. Becoming still has that effect on its own. It's how God built us. Is why even with false religion, meditation has a certain kind of quieting quality. But with the Lord God, 
When you enter into stillness and put your soul into the hands of God, not thinking, not reasoning, not doctrining, but in stillness and quietness and intentional peace. God does all kinds of things to us that we don't see coming. There's a kind of prayer called contemplative prayer that people describe in spiritual formation issues, you know, that talk, they talk about contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer, the way one person described it, is imagine that you're sitting with a friend. This is a really close and good friend. And you don't have anything to say, but you just want to be with them. You go and you sit with your friend and they're in their living room, and say they're in an apartment in New York City, there's an open window next to you, you're sitting at the table, you're having a cup of coffee. You're not talking, you're just glad to be together. Outside in the street below, there's a loud noise, a car wreck or something. And for a moment, your attention is distracted from your friend as you look outside and you see that car wreck, but you remember, no, I'm here to be with my friend. And so you return your attention to them. Contemplative prayer is like that. You aren't there to tell God anything. You aren't there to talk to Him or reason with Him or ask Him for anything. You're just there to be with Him. Your shopping list might be like a car wreck. You know, your your errands that you've got to run later today and suddenly you're distracted and pulled into that. But you remember, no, I need to be with God. And so maybe you have a phrase that pulls you back into the presence of God and you repeat it. Oh God, have mercy on me. And you just sit in silence with the Lord God. What an unbearable waste of time. Why would anyone do a thing like that? And then you get up from that time of maybe you set a timer and you spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes doing that, being quiet, and nothing happens. And you think, why did I do that? And then you go and you're driving and you get cut off in traffic by somebody that last week you would called an idiot and honked. And you would have been mad at that stranger until noon that day. But not only are you not mad, but you think to pray for that person. So that's the fruit of being with the Lord God. Sometimes God is doing an operation on our hearts, and what He actually uses, the time that we give to Him like this, is He actually puts our thinking minds to sleep like an anesthetic, so that He can work down beneath where we're thinking and, 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 and thinking and feeling and get down to where we really are, the real person that we are, and cure that. Because our bad behavior doesn't come from the outside. It comes from deep within us. Didn't Jesus once say, it's not what you eat, because what you eat goes into your mouth and into your stomach, and then it passes out of the body. But evil comes from the heart. And so bad behaviors come from within. But I can't change my heart. No, you can't. God can. And sometimes you need to pray. And sometimes you need to use words. But sometimes we just need to be with God and rest in His presence while He does what we don't even know to ask for. That's what this psalm is about. As we've been walking our way to the city, we are getting close to the presence of God. 
It's entirely possible that as the, as the travelers settle down around the campfire this night and smell that smoke, they can also smell a smoke that's not far off now. A smoke that is coming from the temple to which they are going. They are drawn close to the presence of God. And they are ready now, having done all this work, to remember that they are too long influenced by the culture around them and that it's a mess and they need God's presence. And to remember that their help comes from the hills and to remember that they have been treated with contempt and they need and to remember their sins and all the work they've done to get to this point. But now, it's time to be in His presence. And so as they sing on this night, as they pray on this night, They remind themselves of what they really need is not themselves. What they really need is to rest in the presence of God. The psalm opens up with this idea of of my eyes are not lifted up. Lord, I don't settle my mind on things that are too great for me. Now what's that about? You know, there are an awful lot of perplexing things in this world. So many things that are so hard. And God can be so hard to understand. If you're going to try and reason your way through it, I mean, dealing with the things that are impossible but relatively easy are impossible. How many of you really understand the Trinity? You can raise your hand if you really do, and I'd love to see that hand because I want to sit down and talk with you. Because the Trinity is such a weird mystery. So hard to get your mind around. How can all of God be the Father and all of God be the Son? There's a time for thinking about that stuff. There really is. But you know, that's the easy hard stuff. The really hard stuff is stuff like, why did my loved one die? If you love me, why this untimely death? Or why is my kid having such a hard time? This is not fair. I really don't want this for them. Why did my relationship go so sideways? Why did, that, why did that cancer fall in my lap? I didn't deserve that, did I? I don't think I did. Why am I struggling so much? Why, is, why am I such a mess? If I've walked with you this many years, what's wrong with me? And understanding that kind of stuff can be so hard. There's a time for setting it down. There's a time for dealing with it. But there is a time to say, you know what, right now, I just have to trust you. In spite of all the junk that's in my life, I have to believe that you are good. And so right now, I'll deal with that stuff later, but right now my eyes are not looking there. They're looking to you. And I'm approaching you in humility. Not eyes that look up, but eyes that know I don't deserve to. And just, I just want to be with you. Can I be with you? Can I be still with you? And I be quiet. The phrase is repeated like a weaned child within me. He says, I have stilled and quieted my soul. I have entered into the silence. And I'm seeking to enter the interior silence. Like a child that's not coming to a parent based upon... The, you know, when, when an unweaned child comes to the mother, what do they do? Well, generally, the mom is sleeping, right? And an unweaned child doesn't... Oh, mother, may I have your attention, please? I feel a slight discomfort in my belly, and I would really like a little bit of sustenance. 
No, they go, that's what they do at three in the morning, you know. And and I, I mean, I really feel for mothers. Being a father myself, you know, I can go, oh, that's bad and roll over. That's funny to me because I have a comfortable couch. Anyway, <laughs> no, she's, she's not a bad woman. Anyway, a weaned child doesn't come to God like that. A weaned child doesn't come to the mother like that. The weaned child comes to the mother for the sake of the mother. I want to be with you, Mom. I like you. And I'm not coming to you because of pain. I'm coming to you because of you. And I want to be with you. I have so many pressures and so many dangers and so many threats and so many problems and so many sins. And God, there's so much turmoil around me. But what I want is to set all that down. If you want to pick it up, it's there. I just want to be with you. Can I rest in your presence? The intentionally quieted soul steps intentionally into the presence of God so that God can intentionally transform it. You realize that our spiritual formation is not something that we accomplish. It's something done to us. We participate in it. You have to pick up the strengths that God gives you, the abilities that God gives you, and do them. You have to forgive. That's why Christ gives so many commandments. You have to love the unlovable person. You have to welcome the stranger. You have to to be kind. You have to be non-manipulative. These are all things that you do. But the ability to do them does not come from you. It comes from God. And without God's help, you will not do it. The person who quiets their soul knows that. And is saying, if I do not approach you for healing, I won't be healed. I may know all the true doctrines. I may be able to be a master teacher and to lead lost people to Jesus. And I may be able to cite book, chapter, and verse about all the moral behaviors that people ought to do. And I may be able to, oh, I can know all kinds of mysteries. But I won't be able to love without the help of God. And I won't be whole without the wholeness that comes from God. Unless I come to Jesus Christ, unless I spend time with the Holy Spirit, and unless I rest in the stillness and the quietness of God, wanting God for God's sake, I won't ever find total healing. I suppose in this life, none of us ever do this, and we mostly function in a pretty disruptive and and broken way. But what the psalm here is calling us to is to put our hope in the Lord, not ourselves. To say, the reason that I do this is because every time I don't do this, if I allow a season of distance to grow up between me and God, I will misbehave. Am I alone in that? Have you noticed? And if you get where God draws you into a season where you are close to Him, and you rest with Him, and then you leave, you'll see it fast. 
allow yourself to get overly busy, too distracted, not enough time to participate with God. You don't go to church for a while. You don't spend time in prayer for a while. And you'll see the fruit of that grow up. But if you spend time with God, you'll see the fruit of that grow up. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't come from a, a really, really, really strong human will. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit. And if we want to be what Jesus can make us to be, if we want, then we have got to come to Jesus. We have got to come to the Lord our God and we need to rest in His presence. We need church. We need worship. We need prayer. We need quiet hearts. And we need to hope in the Lord. From this day forward and forevermore. And if you're putting your hope in yourself, let this psalm wake you up. I need it. I see messy things in myself from time to time that I hate. I come to terms with my ill-disciplined heart and go, oh, I hate that that's there. But don't beat yourself up over the reality that's that, that that's there. You're human. You're a sinner. That's natural. What you need is what's supernatural. And you'll only find that in the supernatural one. You'll only find that in God. So give what you are to God. Calm and quiet your soul. If you look into your heart today, and you see, I'm, I, I need to quiet this thing down. I need to spend more time in the presence of God. Well, if you're like me, very often I need prayer just to get to that point. You know, just to get to the point where I want God sometimes takes prayer. And if you need the prayers of other people, if you know you're far enough away from this thing that you need other people to pray for you, then we will. It's a praying church. We want to pray for you. And if you need that, let us minister to you. And if you came here today and there's this big burden on your heart but it has nothing to do with the quiet heart, you're trying to be quiet, but you've got this other thing sitting on you and you need the prayers of the church, church wants to pray for you. We want to care for one another. And as I said at the beginning, if you're not a Christian, there is no better way of life than following Jesus Christ our Lord. None. He leads us into the presence of God where we find our healing, and He wants to lead you too. If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand and sing?